Greetings, and welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm Phyllis Hollis, your host. As an extension of my Instagram page, Cerebral Women, this podcast offers insights into the visual art world. I interview artists, mainly artists of color and female artists, who will freely articulate what inspires their creativity. In addition, you'll hear interesting perspectives from dedicated art professionals who work with artists and the art institutions that feature them. I'm confident that collectively, these individuals will indeed stimulate your mind as they do our eyes. Please know these interviews are conducted in my Manhattan apartment, so please forgive the background sounds of city life. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. This episode features Jamaican-born visual artist Leisho Johnson. He works primarily in painting, installation, and sculpture. Leisho uses his experience growing up black, gay, and male to explore concepts around identity within the post-colonial condition. Working at the conjunction of painting and drawing, he combines charcoal, homemade paints, and dyes straddling the line between fluidity and chance as well as precision and improvisation. His recent residencies include Ruby Cruel in London in 2023, the Fountainhead Residency in Miami in 2022. Recent solo exhibitions include Somewhere Between the Eyes and the Heart, Western Exhibitions in 2023, The Love of Men and the Fear of Stones, Harper's Gallery in New York in 22, and A Deep Haunting, Turn Gallery, Nassau, Bahamas, in 2022. Internationally, Leisho has exhibited in Ontario and Montreal, Canada, Puerto Rico, Brazil, Bristol, UK, Oslo, Norway, Paris, France, along with several exhibitions in Jamaica. His work is in public collections of the Prez Art Museum Miami, the Art Gallery Ontario, and on National Gallery of Jamaica in Kingston, Jamaica. His work is also part of various notable private collections, as well as museum permanent collections. Enjoy this episode featuring Lisho Johnson. Lisho, welcome to my podcast. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Phyllis. Yes. When did you discover your artistic passion? I would say pretty early on. My dad was an artist, so it was an everyday thing. I think when I finally decided to call myself an artist was probably we after everybody else knew I was an artist, but it took me a while to accept that fact. Yeah, it's simple because where I'm from, it's not such a respected profession and it wasn't as popular as it is now. I took some time to convince myself that I was an artist, but prior to that, studied design. So for me, the idea was that if I was going to use my artistic powers, it was going to make things that were useful. <laughs> and so I've done like interior designing, I've done fashion designing, and then I was a graphic designer for like nine years before I took on the mantle of being a contemporary artist. I'm curious to know how being a visual artist, how much more rewarding or fulfilling it is versus what you initially thought you were going to do with design. Design requires a lot of collaboration and it requires a lot of patience. And in a lot of times when I create something, I'm invisible, really. In a lot of times when I do like 
an ad campaign or come up with a logo or like a design, my authorship gets erased or it doesn't exist anymore. So was one element, now being like a contemporary painter or an artist, makes objects and has like the control over the narrative. Now it's much more fulfilling, I would say. Yeah, design is much more of a solution-based thing where it's like trying to problem solve, it's trying to communicate. And, and so it just requires more than what, like, what a one body can produce in most instances. But it's also like a, a splurt. It's more like an instantaneous thing versus like art that takes so much time to actually build up into something that's viable. So it's almost like the payoff is much more instantaneous. It lives a much shorter life than being an artist, being a painter also. And what do you enjoy most about being a painter? To paint. I mean, really, <laughs> I, I get to meditate on something, you know. It, I think it's funny because my dad did a lot of training for me. Like before I came, I came into design, he would give me like painting assignments and he would help me to establish my skill with the brush and stuff like that. So at first I thought this was like a menial thing. Like I could do these things, but I just didn't really understand its purpose until I discovered contemporary art. And then that's when painting becomes something more. It became the questions, it became the meditation, it became having conversations about a history, about a body. It became beyond just making. And for me, that was even more important than just like I'm a labor that creates something beautiful. And that's what I feel my mission is every time I go into the studio. Yeah, that's great. And when did you recognize that you were abstract painter versus figurative painter? Very good question. I would say it was something I encountered during my studies at SEIC. When I was a designer, I was still doing exhibitions and creating a series of work. And the work that I used to produce was extremely different. It was much more about the image. It was very much in contemplation, using like figurations, using photo realism, using representation. And I guess over time, it just became less effective to have the conversations or have the meditations or contemplations that I needed to have. I realize, especially in a space when you don't have the language to talk about something, abstraction is such a unique tool in that. If it is history or memories, you can't put into words. It becomes like a stand-in for that. And it, what I like about it is that you literally, I'm building a language, like I'm building a language that is specific to what I want to produce or what kind of experiences I'm trying to distribute are the conversations that I'm trying to trigger. And that I think is the magic of abstraction. It's so much more nuanced. It's, it's so much more, I don't know. It's, it, you know, it, as a tool, it's so much more important and much more effective than what I was doing before. How do you feel when you're asked what's black about your work because there's no figure. I mean, how do you feel about that? Well, I know Phyllis, <laughs> that question, I, I, funny enough, I think I want people to forget that it's about blackness. And the reason why I'm saying this is because the work, what it tries to kind of like have a conversation with is 
an innate understanding of difference. I think the idea of representing a black figure is, is an important endeavor, but I want to have conversations beyond that. I want to have conversations about hatred. I want to have conversations about discrimination. I want to have a conversation about alienation and not seeing the common who, can, who gives, who assigns humanity to something or someone and who takes that away. And those parameters are much more complex than, than having a black figure in it. So there are black figures in it. And I want to think that because of who I am and my experiences, there's a kind of default that this is definitely of a black person's production, but I want to have more nuanced conversations. I want to have conversations beyond kind of like what's obvious. Do you think your audience understands your work? I would hope so. I think there is enough understanding. I think because before I struggled to kind of like have a conversation about queerness and blackness, and now I have reactions since I've been producing the work that I've been producing, I've gotten reactions from direct audience. You know, if my sample comes from Instagram, I'm definitely getting reactions from that audience. Beyond that, I'm not sure. And I'm not sure if, I, if I'm so concerned about that. I, even though I'm having these conversations, I want everybody to be able to engage with it in some way. I want people to be able to find things in it they might see or what somebody else might see, if, you know, might not see. And my hope working in abstraction is just to create more openings. What's your process of choosing color? It's a very good question. It's funny, I was having this conversation with somebody yesterday and I was telling them about analog photography. I was thinking, I was telling them about the kind of magenta and the sepia and those colors that get developed into those old photos that were like tangible family photos and stuff like that. I look a lot on those for, for the nostalgia. Hmm. But what happens is when the medium takes the colors or when I try to synthesize them into my painting, it becomes something else. But my hope is that the memory of the color or the effect of the color comes into it. And then there's also just kind of like the kind of materials that I use, right? So I'm, I'm using materials that are very much like connected to history and the, and the global south and like the black experience. I'm talking like there's coffee and then there's indigo and then there's like logwood dye. And that combined with kind of like the other mediums that I use, including a, a homemade paint, it, it has an effect where it's alchemical. Like it's, it, it, sometimes I can't control the effects of the colors that I produce, but it's all in like an attempt to have a connection to memory, have a connection to nostalgia in a particular way. And then at the same time, have a, a conversation about material. That's the attempt. <laughs> <laughs> so early on, other than your father, what artists or body of work influenced you? I've changed so much. I've looked at so much like inspiration, so many different ways of art making. I used to look at a lot of Japanese kind of street art. I used to look at a lot of the classics, the Picassos, the Ari Matisse, the Impressionists. Those were kind of like the guys who were in my dad's library that I grew up looking at. And that's affecting how I produce work now, but I was looking at all kind of like sected types of art and then a lot of street art simply because of its accessibility and just, I guess, its interaction with a reality outside of the gallery. 
So I don't know. It's hard to like pinpoint my frame of reference right now, but I look all over. I can definitely say that I'm heavily influenced by cartoons. Like I think I was just obsessed with anime when I was growing up and I looked a lot on 1950s cartoons. They still pop up now and then. <laughs> it's just something about the language of cartooning and an abstraction that I think is a very interesting mix. So I'm thinking about language and I'm also just thinking about what's out there and what's not out there at the same time. And if that makes sense. Yeah. Yes, it does. Do you listen to music while you're working? I do. I was actually thinking about this, this question. I listen to jazz and I like, it all depends on the energy that I'm trying to generate. So I listen to a lot of Kanye and like that type of stuff when I'm trying to like manifest that kind of energy to do things. And then when I wanted to be in a very sultry mood, I would listen to like Grace Jones or Alice Coltrane. Like it, it varies. I listen to a lot of reggae also. And it, I do that because sometimes it brings me back to home. Like my dad used to listen to a lot of reggae and it reminds me of kind of like simpler times. And so it grounds me. But yeah, it all depends on like the energy I want to bring to the studio. When do you know work is finished? Well, I listen to it a lot. I listen to the work. I take my time. I try not to overpaint because that's something I realize can easily be done. So I, I try to be patient. And in a lot of times, it'll reveal itself. I try not to have somebody else see the work when it's in the process of making because sometimes someone else can finish the work for you, which I think is interesting but dangerous. <laughs> but for me, it's more like to be able to be present when the work's happening, to just be patient. And normally it tells you when it's finished. And when do the titles enter the creative process? I see. This is a very good question. And this is something I've developed recently. And it's simply because I've realized part of my working process is poetry. Thank you to Arnold Kemp for this, Arnold J. Kemp. I have a journal. I have a journal in my phone as I will have thoughts and I'd write them down. Sometimes I'm reading books and then there is a, a line or something that kind of stands out to me. Sometimes I'm listening music and then as a piece gets completed or comes into itself, I try to sync. It's almost like another way of listening because I'm like looking at the work thinking about it in a particular way. And sometimes it resonates with that right. And then that's how I choose it. It's a kind of like, I'm very happy to be in tune with like a resonation. Thank you. Do you feel black art can be defined? I, I do. I think in the world that we live in, it's weird that has to be defined. But in terms of understanding how minds work and how we tap into the spirituality of objects and making. I think it's a very unique way of thinking and resonating with the universe. And so what we produce is very distinctive from say white. It's still a strange thing to even imagine that there's white, right? but the idea is that heritage as it relates to artistic production is very much attuned with our bodies. And I am saying this because I'm not just thinking about the visual arts. I'm also just thinking about every form of kind of like creative production, how much our lived experience comes from like being, can be evoked through voice or can be evoked through words 
art can be evoked through materials, right? This is like an era for myself in terms of I am like constantly investigating because I also think about contemporary art canon itself. And I think about its own like laid rules and its own foundation and then how art production sex and how it changes that and how it's deemed so differently. So that's like my meditation on black art. That's great. How do, how do you keep learning? I constantly read and I constantly expose myself to new things. And I'm very curious. I expose myself to different things. I try not to be too fixed in any one thing. I always open up myself for new possibilities, new collaborations, new thoughts. Yeah, I try to be as vulnerable as I possibly can. I like that. So what are you excited about right now? 2024. It's, oh my God. Yep. <laughs> Starting again. <laughs> yeah. I can say that I'm excited about my upcoming museum show. It's a group show at the Les London Museum. And it's curated by Andrew Gasson, a colleague from Trinidad. And it's called The Plural of He. And that's next year, I think, March. That's what I can say. There are other things coming up, but I'm kind of having to be a little quiet on those. Coming up next, I'm very excited about sharing that piece with my colleagues and with the world. Yeah, I'm happy for you. Thank you. What does what your workplace look and feel like? It's a mess right now. I don't know how to explain it for this, but for me, I like the kind of like balance of chaos. And But right now, there are lots of paintings happening all at the same time. I am working on sculptures. I'm very nervous about sharing that, but... I am producing sculptures again. It's like an extension of my painting practice. So it's very brand new and I'm excited about that. Yeah, maybe, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about the space. I like that comment that you like the balance of chaos and control. Uh, love that. It makes you think. I've really enjoyed our conversation. And this last question is a little full-bodied. What do you feel is the purpose of art? And as an artist, what is your role? I think the purpose of art is to find space and language for things that are hard to articulate in words. I think the importance of art is to connect people. It is to, I think, when in the absence of words and sound, it's something that's as important as anything else, really. I think it's the primary way of understanding each other it's so like fundamental to the human experience and i can definitely say that based on where i'm coming from it's an oasis it's a place where i can go where that holds me and holds space for me and yeah it's everything from here right now really and what is your purpose my purpose i definitely say is to make it to make art to discover new ways of doing things. I feel like I'm not just carrying myself. I think my work also carries my ancestry. It carries my story. I also feel that it represents where I'm coming from, where I'm going. And it, I think it opens possibilities for other people who are look, trying to find answers that probably come from a similar background that I'm from. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time. Thank you. And it's, it's been a delight talking with you. Same. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. For additional content, please visit CerebralWomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram. 